Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. The award-winning crunch time. Say HR to a free exclusive service pack across a wide range of models. Search Honda Offers. New grilled wraps at Subway. Hot off the grill and ready to thrill at participating restaurants. And last year's theatre of heartbreak is this year's rite of passage for Richmond. They win the preliminary final by 19 points and book their place in the 2019 Grand Final. We're going to get a terrific contest one way or the other. Two great sides are going to go out there, one will win, one will lose. The side that goes hardest for the longest is is going to probably win tomorrow. We're both looking forward to the opportunity and it's going to be a a ding-dong battle. Richmond takes aim at a second premiership to validate its era of dominance. Damien Hardwick's perfectly plotted campaign and bold sense of adventure reaches the ultimate test. Grundy knocked it to open space. Haynes kicked it away. Moore will run onto it. It's now or never. Hand pass to Maynard. Kick it. Kick it to the top of the square. Collingwood need a mark. They won't get it. Taylor hammers it away. Siren pending. Hand pass comes out to Hopper. Siren sounds. Unspeakable drama. The Giants are into the grand final for the first time. It's going to be different tomorrow because we, we're going into uncharted territory because we haven't been there before. But, you know, guys are looking forward. I think they'll just, you know, play, play with that freedom uh, that they've, you know, grown up with. We look forward to some great battles. There's going to be some magnificent one-on-one battles all over the ground. The AFL's youngest club comes to the moment it was built for. The Giants take their first swing at Premiership glory, intent on bringing the big, big sound to the grandest stage in football. This is the grand final edition of Crunch Time for Honda. Say eight share to a free exclusive service pack across a wide range of models. Search Honda offers and the new grilled wraps at Subway. Hot off the grill and ready to thrill at participating restaurants. Happy Grand Final Day wherever you are around the country or around the world. It's a day of ritual, it's a day of rhythm, it's a day of huge consequence. It's a morning that begins with the dignitaries and the pollies at breakfast. It moved to the longest kick where Taylor Harris has launched a ball into the Yarra beyond 60 metres and the youngsters are strutting their stuff, dreaming of doing it. A few hours later, one day on the MCG, they have left their footprints, literally, The centre circle was wet when the game started and there's all these little white footprints right around the middle of the circle at the MCG. Jared Waitley with you for crunch time. Who better to start the day with than Dermot Burton, who came here eight times and five times on the right end of it. Sturm, welcome. Good morning, Jared. It is quite uh, quite humorous looking out there. They, They just started this... 
this game of future stars a touch early after they painted the white chalk yeah. at the centre, haven't they? <laughs> it's and hilarious. Little stampede footprints everywhere. It looks like somebody's dropped a bucket of snow out there. It won't be pristine when the opening bounce is set down. I reckon somebody will get out there after this game and paint it green. Tidy it over <laughs> the top. <laughs> the game before us features... Team Del Santo. It sure does. Oh, they're skillful too. <laughs> He's with us. He lived this day three times. Nick Del Santo, welcome. A to Crunch very time. good morning. Lovely to be here. That is that is Team Del Santo out there going going. Good to against... see you having a big involvement. Well, with it might Mets. be my first win on Grand Final day, Derm. So I'll take whatever I can get. But happy birthday to you, five time. <laughs> on this particular day. Five times you've won this thing. Yeah, you just saw my text. I from did. Who bro- was that from? Brother Wits, Chris Whitman. He said, happy birthday five times. <laughs> <laughs> what a spectacular yeah. day. And speaking yeah. about the weather, just really quickly, obviously a little bit drizzly this morning, a little bit fresh, but it looks like it is clearing up and hopefully for the sake of a really perfect good day. game, it's going to be perfect conditions. Perfect day, light breeze, not enough to get down and seriously affect the footy. It comes in over the large grandstand here at the MCG and anybody who's done physics will tell you a, a, a gust of breeze, if there's a windbreak, it takes three times the distance to that of the height of the windbreak to get down. So it just gets <laughs> down. Gets down to ground level about 40 metres from goal at the punt road end. Could you just draw that for us? Yes, yeah, one metre in the air of windbreak. <laughs> the wind goes over it and it takes three metres to get back down to ground level. What does the day stir in you? Uh... You can have, be flippant about this or you can be serious. And I'll take the serious route for you just briefly. It it actually reminds you of the best days of your life. I've had, besides seeing your kids born, I've had eight great days in a sporting nature of my life. And five better than the other three. Yep. But it just reminds you about the absolute epitome of what... Australian rules football is. It is the epitome. And I heard somebody talking this morning about, I think it was one of the politicians talking at the North Melbourne breakfast saying, out there is a child somewhere that is dreaming of playing AFL football and this is a day for them because they look at it and this is the biggest stage and they they look and they, they dream on this day. And for a kid who grew up in the Burbs, he got to play it eight times. It, it was the dream come true, and it, it's everything you wanted to do as a child, and it's, it, it came true for me. So I'm very, very fortunate to be in the right place, right time, right club, and have the right sort of stuff to get there. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a memory of the best days of my life. Just like... Is, so I was just going to say, Derm, just like your children, and it's hard to... So you have a favourite, or maybe you do. They're clearly the best days of your life, yeah. Do you have a favourite? I mean, speaking about the memories, is there one that stands out for a particular reason out of those five? Uh, Yeah, it it is like children. You you can't dismiss any one day. But the one that is celebrated just because it was such a good game and and, and it sort of goes with the, the... I suppose, aligns to the mantle you try and hold for yourself. And everybody has their own sort of football image and, you know, they, they virtually try to live up to that during their career. Um, it was a brutal game of footy and I, I, I genuinely... I didn't like it when you were actually being brutalised, but you come off the ground in those ga- types of games and you felt you've achieved something and that was the number one brutal game I can recall of my career and 
and and everything that's gone about for the last 30 odd years or so. So, yeah, that that that's my favourite for the hard work it took. 30 years on, it's revisited in the AFL record today. Oh. So if you come in at the ground, grab it. But if you're not, grab, duck up to the news agents and grab it. There's pages and pages, including a rather wonderful MRO assessment of all the incidents. Oh really? The day. Yeah. I, I think you're still suspended, Durham. <laughs> <laughs> if I read this right. <laughs> oh, I try to drop the knees into somebody. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you can't recall who it was, Dave. He was in a Geelong jumper. <laughs> they were all the same. What does the day stir in you, Dal? Yeah. You lived it three times, twice in one year after a draw. Real mixed emotions, to be honest, Jared. And this is this is the only time of year I've been out of the game for threes. This is the only time of year, being September, where I miss football. Don't miss, you know, I miss your mates and the camaraderie and the competing. But there is something special about being in Melbourne this time of year for, for pretty much a whole month, but in particular this this particular week. Yeah, I, I'm still a little bit uncomfortable with the whole way that it all played out. Now, I think it almost might sit more uncomfortably with me now knowing that I could never achieve it. At least when we'd missed those opportunities, 2009, 2010, you always felt like there was a glimmer of hope that we can get back there and we'll make amends for a couple of missed opportunities. But now that it's all over and you're knowing that you can never be back out there, it almost hurts a little bit more. I'm not quite at the stage where I'm really excited for everybody else just yet. I, I'm so glad that I got to go through grand final weeks. Just grand final day doesn't hold a lot of real good memories for me. But just so pleased. Speaking about looking back on it and reliving memories and particular things, I was glad that I got to experience everything that football had to have apart from the victory on mm. grand final day. So I'm excited for today, Jared. Like, take my emotion away from it. I'm so happy that the Giants are here. I love the story of the Giants. I enjoy the story of the Tigers from when I was playing against them for 15 years. They were nowhere near where they are now. Yeah, so I yeah. love that both these teams get an opportunity, one to do it two times in the last three years, and the Giants for the first time in eight or nine years. Can I get just to backtrack 30 seconds with you, and I agree with all those sentiments. Would you, if, if the fickle hand of fate said to you, you can only take one of two scenarios, your scenario having played on the big day or your club win and for some reason, like a Bob Murphy, you have to sit out, well, what would you, what I've would never you had take? That. I've never, you know, I've honestly never thought of that. Because some people hate losing so much they just wish it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, I'd probably no, no, I'd still I'd still like for St Kilda to win. To win. Yeah. yeah. And I know ultimately that I wouldn't get anything out of it personally. But I felt a huge sense of responsibility for that football club because it had gone through so many hard times and only won premiership in 150 odd years. I felt more responsibility to people that were eighty or ninety years of age that were more concerned and worried and excited for us to be and playing they the through everything that at the sort build. of yeah of that, that football yeah, team. So even if I wasn't a part there. of it, like the Bob Murphy yeah. situation, I'd still like for the Saints to win. You, he brings up... Uh, have we got 30 seconds? He brings up a great comment. So you play footy and you get the, the accolades, you, you get your medallion, you get the rewards, and, and you walk away a, a better in a better financial position than when you started. Apart from that, what is the human thing that you walk away with? And over the years, probably happened half a dozen to to a dozen times, and it happened again on Thursday. A man came up to me, and he started crying. And he said, you don't know me from a bar of soap. He said, you're my dad's favourite player. And he was sick, and uh, he had a, a terminal illness, and the one thing he looked forward to was watching Hawthorne play. And the amount of people who come up to me, as I said, not a heap, 
but over the years, somewhere between half a dozen to a dozen come up and said, whether it's you know family illness, whether they had a, a terminal illness, which you know they over, overcame, uh, whether it was the, the, their life was falling apart, the business ruined them, the, all these horrible things that can happen in life. And to hear people say, the one thing I had to look forward to was going to the footy and, and just believing that your team was going to make another grand final, which was my team I supported, and it just gave me hope. And you realise, we play it and we get paid yep. and we do everything we can. But for some people, it is life. It is the hopes and the dreams of them. And that's what made me think of that when you said for those generation of St Kilda people who have been starved for 53 years, you know, and it could have been their chance. But it'll come. It'll come at some stage and we hope it's not too far away, but it, it means so much to some. It does. It means so much to so many what happens this afternoon. We'll live vicariously through those who have been there during crunch time and we'll touch base with those who are involved today. So Phil Davis has just told Channel 7 he is definitely playing. He will lead the Giants into this grand final. Marlon Pickett's family has made the trip from Perth to see a debutante on this stage for the first time since 1952. And after the break, we'll live it through a family with a son in either camp. The Matthews family split between the Giants and the Tigers. Next on Crunch Time for Honda, say eight share to a free exclusive service pack across a wide range of models. Search Honda offers and the new grilled wraps at Subway, hot off the grill and ready to thrill at participating restaurants. No, I'm 100% right to go, yeah. Uh, feeling fine, got some work done during the week and, uh, yeah, just now concentrating on make sure I can play my role for the team. Declaring himself ready to go for the Giants this afternoon. The first two emails of the day came from the AFL from two different practitioners in there outlining the conditions of additional time in the event that the grand final is a draw at the ringing of the final siren. Two of them sent it out. Wonder if that's an omen of things to come. <laughs> It'll be, be tense for a couple of families, well, for one family in particular, if it's still all tied up at uh, at full time. Dave Matthews is the chief executive of the Giants. Dave, welcome Thanks, to Crunch Time. Simon Matthews is the general manager of communications and marketing at Richmond. Simon, welcome. Good to be here, Jared. How have you gone together during the week? You kept your distance, stayed close. What have you done? I haven't seen him much at all. Actually, he keeps inviting me for dinner, but that's only to. Um try to get some inside mail on Phil Davis and things like that, so I don't go. I'm not buying into that at all. He, he, um, Richmond people have harder time getting grand final tickets than, than Giants, so he's been chasing me for some tickets, which I wouldn't sell him either, so that's about it. <laughs> it, it, it was embarrassing when I heard that he uh, actually requested his own car in the parade yesterday. So <laughs> I, thought, uh, I thought that was a bit over I've the top. I've never been here before, so I didn't rich. know whether I just assumed that's what happened. But uh. What a great moment for the family to... Uh, it's good. It's brilliant. Mum and Dad are uh, both here today. Our younger brother, Tim, who's actually the favourite of the three. He's the favourite <laughs> son. He's just reclining in Noosa. And he knows Dermot better than anyone else because he used to give him a lot of drink cards at the <laughs> Lyric and Eureka back in the day, right? So he should have. I owned the club. <laughs> well, that's true, too. <laughs> but in addition to your appearance fee, uh, anyway. So, it's, yeah, the, um, the family's really excited. And uh, I'm incredibly proud of what Dave and the, and the Giants have, have built up there over eight years. When you, you know, I, I do say when you started, it was one of the toughest jobs in football, if not the toughest. And I think what they've built over eight years has been fantastic. We chat a lot. Um, really proud of what they've done. And uh, 
I don't wish them particularly a, a great amount of luck today. I hope we get over the line, but I think what they've done has been brilliant. Was there a moment in time where you two ever sat back and said, imagine if we were against each other one day in a grand final? Has there ever been any anything like that come up in conversation? We thought it was a long way off, I think, you know, because I guess over the eight years of the Giants, you know, ours has been a struggling start and then we've tried to compete and the Richmond's fluctuated a bit here and there. We jokingly, um, in the first time we ever played against each other in May 2012, we came up with a Matthews Cup, which was a Verve Clico plastic <laughs> ice bucket from the Palace Hotel in Breakfast Point. <laughs> so Nick Johnston actually sent me the photo this morning and so we've had this presentation and he was he was happily receiving it for the first three years and then uh, I think we got hold of you once up at up at our home ground but no it's um it's it's a strange thing because it's just a, a good feeling for mum and dad obviously they can't lose today so we are playing for the Matthews Cup today <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think Stevie J's been the ambassador for the Matthews Cup all week I don't think that's what gonna, I told him yesterday they won't be setting up a second dais on the ground I don't think but, uh... Dave did you know you had this many supporters the amount of orange in the parade yesterday even walking yeah. around the streets this morning Derm and I were out early doing a brekkie in some ways it must be pleasing but in other ways you must say where have they been all year where has all this orange army been yeah, it's 30,000 members this year, which is great. Um, and, and I think the numbers will be 10,000 plus for us today. We've sold a significant number to our members, over 8,000, and then you've got other um, supporters of the club who buy into various functions and events. I, I agree, yesterday at the parade, it was it was great to see how many orange there is. And it's, and it's different to what it was when we played in the prelim against Richmond a couple of years ago. But in saying that, our membership's virtually trebled since then. And, and that's that's what winning's been able to help us do. We do a lot of great community work, and you saw Stephen Keneally get recognised for that. But what's switched on uh, the fans in Canberra and Sydney is winning. So, um, yeah, we think we'll get a good representation. Do you feel like the players have been able to absorb that and get an extra little bit of oomph of energy or speed or whatever it may be that they need today, knowing that they've got... You're up against in regards to numbers. You're speaking about a club that's the biggest in the land, 100-odd thousand members, but yeah. it doesn't sound like they've gone down quietly, your boys. No, and I think the players do appreciate it. I came to the captain's run yesterday and we had a really good turnout and I noticed that the players basically trained at that end of the ground. They were just getting so much adulation <laughs> and soaking it up. So um, the other the other end didn't get much use at all. But, uh, no, that's it's been fantastic. And, you know, the players... Um, do a role for the AFL or the club beyond what um, many many players in the competition are required to do in terms of just being, you know, essentially the promoters of the game. You know, the clinic work they do, getting into schools. I mean, this is this has been a, a project or a club that's been about trying to develop generations of new fans for the game. And you know, over eight years we've built pretty well, we think. But we're, we're going to be. I still think in the longer term will be a really big club. Simon, what's it, what's it like for you at the at the other end of the spectrum? You've got to cater for everyone, and like for people like us, we're privileged. We get to go in the rooms after the game. The amount of people who go to your club when there's success, the amount of people who want a piece of 
of anything Richmond when success comes is extraordinary. Can you can you give us an idea of the type of volumes you have to deal with in any part of what Richmond is? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Yesterday we had an open training session that we had 6,000 people at. Today, Punt Road will have 13,000 there for the live site. And tomorrow, win or lose, it'll be 25,000 plus. So, But I guess we've been on a pretty significant journey as well over the last decade. When you think about 10 years ago when Brendan and Peggy, uh, Brendan took over and Peggy shortly, shortly afterwards, I think we were Five million in debt, technically insolvent, zero and nine, forty-eight thousand members. So it's actually been quite a journey for uh, for us as well. And um, you know the leadership of Brendan and Peggy to deliver what they've delivered the fans and the joy you see on the fans' faces is uh, is just fantastic. And, and you know, Peggy is such a humble person. Um, it, it's never about her, and I think that sets a real tone uh, for the footy club. You won't see her running up and down in front of the Olympic room, waving her arms around, making it all about her. She's she's actually a very humble person, and I don't think uh, I, I think that's significant for our football club. I, I have to say, once again, we, we get the absolute. Uh, um inside run and we get to go to clubs occasionally and there was a time for about six weeks I got asked to go down and help with some Richmond forwards about 10 years ago and I was only there for about six weeks. There is something different about Richmond and the way their supporters come. They're just incredibly passionate. I mean, the Lord, if you look at the ladder in terms of the, the size of supporter bases across the AFL, Richmond's actually middle of the road. Now, people find that surprising, but the number that we were able to connect with and engage with and turn into members is where the difference lies, and that is just a product of their passion. Yeah, the, the, uh, when I was going, the, the team was struggling and still supporters come to training, yeah. they watch training, and they're riding the bumps at training. I, I mean, I can only reflect it back to when we were playing. We were in a great team. We, we had two men and a mm. dog at training. This is a team that was... In the dark days, still had supporters turning up with their Richmond gear to training. They're and, and such a patriotic lot. Yeah, they're, they're phenomenal. They're the cornerstone of everything we've done. You can have the best laid plans in the world, but if you don't have uh, a supporter base that falls in behind, then it's not going to work. We look back at grand final day, and in my opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, Dermot, it's a bit like your wedding day. It just goes really, really quick, and you're trying to hold on to moments and embrace it. And could be really good and could <laughs> yeah. turn out really bad. Well, that's, yeah. that's the other side of it, Dermot. <laughs> Things can change very quickly. How do you actually embrace today? Is there any chance that you might actually enjoy the game for what it is, or that can't exist? We've enjoyed the week. There's no doubt that Leon's been really strong and uh, with the players and I have with the staff that, you know, we worked very hard to get here, so let's enjoy it. Um, yeah, we, we, we're not satisfied with just playing in it. Obviously, we want to win it. Um, but at the same time, the week's been terrific. We had a um, we threw an impromptu, uh, almost a party for the parents and families who most of our players obviously uh, come from down this way. And we had, I think, 500 people turn up in the Jim Stein's room yesterday. And Harry Angus, who wrote our theme song, performed for everybody. And, you know, it was just a great atmosphere. And there's a lot of people who started this club and who've uh, stayed connected, like Gabby Allen and Craig Lambert, Dale Holmes. There's a whole heap of them there. So we've tried to enjoy it. I think the other thing that's done is it distracted uh, a lot of every, everybody from bothering the players as well. So it, it had two purposes. But, yeah, it does go quickly, doesn't it? But I this mean, isn't just a job to you, Dave, is it? This is, this is your lifestyle. And, uh, yeah. and once again, having the privilege yeah. of being able to work with you guys, I mean, down to the guys who you've, you got into the cheer squad to wear the orange yeah. suits, and you've yeah. done everything that no CEO has to do as well to, to, to make this club 
a real entity for people. Well, yeah, right. I was actually talked to a lot of guys I went to Geelong College with during the week who were chasing a ticket and they said, you know, we formed a cheer squad for you the first season. <laughs> where, where are the tickets now? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I've been telling you to keep joining as members, but no, you're right. It's, oh, look, it's, yeah, I mean, we're passionate about what we do and, and you guys are in what you do with the game as well. It's just a, it's an outstanding game and, you know, we're telling more people about it in Western Sydney, so it's, it's been a real privilege to be involved in it. So in those first couple of years when you came to Melbourne, it was rent a crowd to, to have some representation. Oh, look, I don't want to sell the, the, some of the absolute icons in our cheer squad short because they've been there from day one, but just to fill out a few of the seats, Jared, so <laughs> just to give it a bit of colour around it, I'd say. A guy called Eric Johnson who started the Mad Monks, he just off his own bat, he said, if I'm going to go along, I'm going to go along in, and do it in big style. And you, you might remember, <laughs> he's... Uh, He's now a very senior executive at Lindley, so he sort of backed off a bit of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, Simon, what, what would a second premiership in three years mean for Richmond today, do you think? I think just vindication of the, the plan and, and the journey. I, I think I think it would be a remarkable achievement for the coach uh, in particular. I think what he did at the back end of 2016 to go away, and I think by his own admission probably changed some of his coaching philosophy and the way he went, around it, uh, went about it, I think. It would be just wonderful for him and um, and the playing group as well. Obviously, just they've just been terrific for for three years, and it would be great reward for for them and all their hard work. And Dave for the Giants. Oh, I think for the players, it'd be a reward for staying in. You know, you look at the guys. I think we've got five or six players today who played in the very first game. Um, so the reward that they've shown, the faith they've shown in you know the vision we've had for the club, uh, and for the fans as well who've you know watched some um, you know some very in the early years from very difficult games um, you know I just I just want to see them all enjoy it I think it, it creates for us an opportunity to have a real step change we've already seen that um, this week in a number of areas of our off field in terms of people wanting to sponsor and get on board so you know just getting here will give us a step change in fan growth and in commercial growth and all the other things that are important but you know most of all I want to see the players and I, I, I want to see them win it and I want to see the fans enjoy it and, and I'd love to see Leon Cameron um, holding up a Premiership Cup. Nothing would give me more pleasure than that. Do Mum and Dad actually barrack for one of these two well, teams? Well, they or? are today. They're, bar they're, they're barracking for um, uh, the Giants because two years ago... Uh, we lay down in a prelim so that he could have his fairy tale. Um, and I'm hoping he returns a favour today. So he's had his premierships. He's built, um, you know, and on a serious note, you know, Simon's probably one of the best uh, advisors to me on a whole range of things. Coming out of AFL head office and going to a club, I'd, you know, there was a lot of unique things about a club and particularly unique about ours that um, I needed advice on. And he's helped me enormously because he's created things like Dreamtime at the G and all these other events and, uh, you know, Anzac Eve. And so he knows how to market and promote better than anyone in the game that I've come across. So he's helped me a lot. And I remember when I actually got asked to stay in long term, I said, what do you think I should do? And he said, you'll just enjoy the passion of the club. Um, and uh, <laughs> I took a phone call from Neil Danaher, actually, who was working in our department at the time. He said, I don't understand your decision here. You've been sitting, sitting in the uh, spa at... Docklands, drinking Crown Lagers with all your other, all your mates on the AFL exec, and now you've decided to jump out into the ocean and swim through the chop. What are you doing? You're mad. <laughs> um, but you know, Simon encouraged me all the way along. And there were very tough days early on. Very tough days. Uh, uh, I'm 
just very excited to be here, but really want to win it. Well done to you both. Thanks for coming in and joining us. Good luck for the afternoon. Thank you, guys. Simon Matthews, who runs the marketing and the communication side of things at the Tigers, and Dave Matthews, the chief executive of the Giants. Uh, So it's a brilliant family affair, this grand final. For the Matthews. It's brilliant, isn't it? Oh, fantastic. And hey, who does, uh, on the way, who does Timmy Barrick for? <laughs> He's a Giants as well. So the, the third brother up there on the. Uh, <laughs> he what? He was a Lions, man. Was a, was a Lions man. man, but he's going for the Giants today. <laughs> Grew up in Geelong, barracking for the Lions, and today going for the Giants. So he's up for the highest bidder. <laughs> takes all kinds. <laughs> takes all kinds. Dermot Brereton and Nick Del Santo on crunch time. Let's check in with Russell Barwick for Unibet. Get footy fill-ups every week at unibet.com.au. Russ, welcome. Oh, thank you, Jared. Uh, and what a lovely day it's going to be. What a fantastic day for footy. Uh, hopefully the weather stays a little bit warmer for all concerned and uh, it's a clear and fine day and great footy all round. I can say that Richmond, I thought Richmond would firm on Unibet between last night and today. Well, they've actually gone out the other way. They're now forty. That's best price anywhere if you're keen at unibet.com.au. GWS into $3. Uh, I thought you might get a little bit better than that, but the punters obviously agreed and they've taken the $325. They're now into $3. If you do like the Tigers and you want to have a look at one of the 300 different markets we have, half four is $1.65. And the draw at any quarter, first, second, third quarter, if you like that option, uh, it's a $23 option in the uh, quarter-quarter uh, option there on the website. Now, the Norm Smith medal, Dusty is the favourite, easy favourite at $6. Dylan Presti at $10. Uh, the best for the Giants, Toby Green, would need be a popular winner of the Norm Smith medal, $12. And Young Pickett's $41. Wouldn't that be a story and a half to be Norm Smith medalist in the first AFL game and it's a grand final? First goal kicker, Tom Lynch and Jeremy Cameron head the list at $26. For what it's worth, I'm cheering the Giants. Uh, I think heart more than head. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of orange and brown where I'm at at the moment, Jared. And uh, I think Nick Haynes might be a smoky if the Giants win as the Norm Smith medalist. He's been terrific so far in the final series. Whatever you're doing, make sure you gamble responsibly. And the website is unibet.com.au. There's plenty of other markets there as well with the storm involved in the rugby league, the racing and the rugby world cup. So have a great day. Enjoy the footy and uh, go for the Giants. Terrific, Russ. Thanks. Get legendary tips on at odds with Junior Fletch and Hammer. Watch the latest episode at unibet.com.au. The longest kick has been won by Clayton Oliver, 66.8 metres. Brody Smith second, Taylor Harris third. The celebs are having their go now. Nick Revolt led them off. He plonked one at 40.5. I was lucky to get off his shoe. He's kicking at three-quarter time for a million bucks. Really is? Yep. The Chemist Warehouse promotion. Okay, and who's the million bucks go to? Uh, to a contestant who's won their way through. Let's hope it's not to kick 41 metres. Yeah, <laughs> also, the scouting on him is you're heavily betting against him if the, if the Yarra is anything to go well, Amy, by. Amy Sharks just had her kick. I think she might have just passed Rui as well, so it's a much better effort. <laughs> a missed kick will get it past that. <laughs> so, uh, good fun. Not bad, Amy Shark. Nice little action. She just didn't have a lot of power behind it, but the action was all right for someone who's never kicked a footy before. Well, now. Keep an eye there. Share a bit of grand final day with us on the Rapid Tune Automotive Services open line. Rapid Tune will keep you moving. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Give us a bell and join us on Crunch Time for Honda and for Subway.
This is crunch time on grand final day here at the MCG. We're watching the underage stars, the next generation. They'll be next year's draft, and Team Brown's making a mess of Team Del Santo after halftime. The Dells took a, a lead of a few points to the main break. It's now 16-6-102, the Browns, to 7-7-49, the Dells. Well, I had a chat to them yesterday in the hotel before their oh, stuff captain's run, and they came out firing, breathing fire in that first half, term, and I haven't been back out there Get since. Get back down so, there. Mm, I'll tell you what they have made a mess of, that centre circle yeah. still. It's so they funny. honestly have to paint that. Yeah. They need to get green paint out. That's just so to make you, that look a bit neater. If you're just tuning in, the uh, groundsmen have obviously painted the centre circle and the little emblem logo where the umpires bounce the ball in the white chalky paint. And, has a, and they haven't allowed it to dry before this game, and they've footprinted it all around there. A little bit of bird poop. Yeah, it looks like somebody's dropped a couple of hundred kilos of talcum powder out there, and they're just stamping it over the centre of the square. I doubt that can be resolved before the showpiece moment. You've got to paint it. I think someone's going to be really flat about that. <laughs> somebody, really flat. Who's get a kick in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, you'd have to paint it again, wouldn't you? I doubt you can do anything about that. At, uh, Wash it. What is it? Heading towards midday on grand final day for a 2.30 start. Get the mop out and see what you can do. You might just spread good. it. You might make it worse. <laughs> you might have a white patch to start. Crunch time for Honda and for Subway, Nick Del Santo and Dermot Brereton on duty. The Rapid Tune open line will keep you moving. Rapidtune.com.au. 1-300-736-736 to share the flavour of grand final day with us. There's plenty of time to pull the game apart as we go along, so we'll give you two a, a bit of a swing at it. So Phil Davis is absolutely his playing is we'll find out in hindsight what it is it looked for all the world like he'd pinged a calf last week what's the what's the risk reward equation in it derm what i i couldn't really understand the injury when when getting a grasp on it because it looked to be a bit of a contact injury and but he still went back on for those of us that have done calves which is described <laughs> Real calves are described as the old man footballer's injury. Uh, it is immobility thereafter if you ping the calf. You are gone. It's like somebody's actually severed you, <laughs> severed the tendon. Yep. You can't run. Uh, but he went back out there. He wasn't much good, but he was able to get out there and still move, sort of move around. And I thought, well, hang on. That, it might be just a deep-seated bruise that has hit a nerve or it, it could be just a cork in the calf that's severe. But he's, uh, he's come up good enough, so it's not going to be... You, off the back of that, and you go back to the first week of the finals when the Giants played the Bulldogs and Brett Delidio, which we find out in hindsight, and speaking to him in the room straight after the game, yeah. he tells us that he did it in the first quarter. Did his calf in the first quarter. A man that's had 30-odd soft mm. tissue injuries in his life. So I'm a bit with you, And Doc. stayed out there for rotations with that, him. That's, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. But the Phil Davis one is... And then, Jared, we, we've been speaking all week about, well, he hasn't trained. You watch him do the captain's run. And often, well, the, the general theory with the captain's run is you do whatever you need to do to get ready for tomorrow's game, being today's. He comes out in runners and doesn't participate in any of the... Just the general movement. And might have done a little bit of handballing, kicking, but all the token sort of stuff. Did boxing. Did which so which says to me, Derm, that <laughs> you're that in the rehab. That's off group. legs. That's off legs sort of day. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm with you. What's the risk versus reward? Well, obviously the risk is he does it, and I'm not even talking in the first quarter. Just does it at some stage, and they're hindered. Even if he goes back on the ground like he did last week in the prelim, extremely brave. Love it as a captain, leading from the front. Don't want to be a rotation down. 
but you need all hands on deck in these sort of games, dude. If he gets injured at any stage, it worries me. The upside is he gets through, plays his role as the lockdown defender, allows Haynes, a few of the other halfback yes. flankers, to do the bulk of the work in regards to intercept marking. Well, Sam Taylor there, thereafter becomes the number one key defender because Haynes is Haynes likes to play on the second third string forward and peel off and become an intercept defender where he's I think he's taken the fifth most marks in the league he's been extraordinary this year Phil Davis is also a very good intercept marker but what Phil does is he, he'll play on Lynch he'll play on the number one grunt and Lynch could come out and kick three but Phil Davis might beat him but that's, that's almost a kudos to, to Lynch. He can still be, in, uh, you know, involved in the game. I think he had three kicked on him last time they played and, and Phil did all right on him. So it's, it's you look at the other end then and there's a similar aspect because without Rance, it, it now seems apparent against a forward line. Finlayson, even though he's ranked as, like, I think, the fourth or fifth best key forward in the comp, he's not. You know, he's done really well. It's only because he's a beautiful kick of the footy with less opportunities is he damaging and dangerous. You've got you've got Jeremy Cameron, Finlayson falls in, Green is in there as well. There are three damaging forwards straight away. And I almost think you're obligated to play Grimes on Green when Green goes forward. So you, you literally have to play uh, um, Asprey on Jeremy Cameron, which leaves you a choice of uh, uh, Nathan Broad and Vloston to play on Finlayson and Harry Himmelberg. Mm. Himmelberg likes to lead up the ground, so you need somebody who's comfortable out at halfback chasing him up. And really, in the weighing it up, eggs for eggs, you know, apples v oranges and the likes, you think the, the Giants' forward line probably probably on paper looks like it could do some damage mm. to Richmond but they're such a great defensive unit and because they the midfield's involved as well the same at the other end Richmond looks like their potency might hurt the Giants so you got these things cancelling each other out I, I yeah genuinely genuinely wrapped with the way this game's panning out for the personnel who will take the field I, center circle update yes the brushes are out. <laughs> yeah, in the They're water. They're using water to start with. <laughs> yeah, they've, yeah. They've even got uh, the sponges yeah. are out, trying to mop up the lines yeah. themselves. There's They're a fellow with a, you, a leaf blower who's trying to dry it as They're, they go along. They're listening into you. That's there, there's a four-man crew that has been sent out with every tool they could rustle up in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> Just take whatever you've got out there, see if you can clean that bloody mess up. Yeah, it none of them mess. are going to sit down because they've all had their bottom smacked by now. <laughs> How could this Don't happen? come back until it's clean. <laughs> Quick one for you, Dom. I love that analysis of the Giants' fall on the Tigers' defence. I think the three tall forwards for the Giants soaks up the defence, the, the big boys defensively for the Tigers, which they haven't had to face many times. Not many teams have and three genuine green. tools. What do you do with Toby Green? Yeah. Who, who is well, is Grimes one of the... Th <laughs> Yeah. I've got Grimes, Asprey and Broad as the three tools that have to play on the big boys, which leaves Vlosten. I don't mind Vlosten v Toby Green as the head-to-head -head matchup. Now, the only thing you're going to sacrifice, therefore, is you have to give him all the attention. Well, Vlosten can't be the intercept That's marker, your concern. Yeah. So who is it then? Who, where do they find this intercept the, well, defender from? Where does Grimes have the ability to roll off from? The, the other aspect, too, is I know they've got Daniels. He's a very short man. And, and Richmond have a couple of seriously small backmen as well. Short. Yeah. And, 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 Butler. And, and Baker. Oh, sorry, Baker, sorry. Yeah. So 
if they get uh, not not so much Baker on Daniels, because that's like the midget wrestling that one going on. They're both very very good, but they're. Am I allowed to say that? You're just shaking your head up the back there. No, no, don't say that. Ross, the boss, has just looked at me and put his hands in there and said, what are you saying? That's politically incorrect. Jared, you should have got on to me before that. I was watching Scotty McLaughlin kick a footy 53 metres into the Yarra. 53? That's a, that's a good... Distracted. Good hey, time. Dennis from Geelong's got a quick one for you, Dermot. Dennis, welcome. Yeah, hey, Dennis. Dermot, how are you? Good, thank you. Good, mate. Good. 30 years on, mate. Uh, this day, 30 years ago, Geelong and Hawthorne. Um, how would have you felt if you had kicked nine goals for Hawthorne and you lost? Yeah. Um, similar to the way I kicked eight a couple of years before and lost. So very proud of your own performance, but it, it pales into insignificance about the day. You still think, what could I have done? maybe to swung the match our way. Obviously, Geelong got a lot closer to us than we got a lot than we got close to uh, Essendon in 85, which is the match I'm talking about. But, yeah, you're still devastated. You're still, you're, you're still heartbroken because you lost, yeah. Thanks, Dennis. Uh, the Team Brown beat Team Del Santo by 61 points, 16-6-102 to 9-7-61 as we got a snapshot of the, the next generation of draftees. A couple of boys here. So that's, these boys are going to get drafted at the end of next year, Derm. So they're 13, 14-odd months away from getting drafted. But doing a tiny bit of work with them over the last year. There's a kid who just got best on ground. So give us the name. You know all these I kids. I don't know this young one. Yeah, all right. If you've got the record, it's number two. On the I team that can't won. Can't see him from here. But there is, is that the, Team Brown? That yeah. is Team Brown. So there's a young boy that's playing for Team Brown. Played in for the Oakley Chargers last week. His surname is Oogle Hagen. Now, they're already comparing him to Buddy Franklin by the way that he plays. But it's uncanny his mannerisms and the way that he walks and the swagger and the left foot across the body. So keep an eye out for these young boys in 14-odd months' time. Braden Campbell won the medal. Number two for Team Brown. Well Winner. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tigers get the job done by under a goal. Winner. I'm going Giants, the same sort of margin. Dermot Burton and Nick Del Santo, the first shift on crunch time. Terry Wallace and Kane Corns in next for Honda and for Subway. The award-winning crunch time. Say HR to a free exclusive service pack across a wide range of models. Search Honda offers. New grilled wraps at Subway. Hot off the grill and ready to thrill at participating restaurants. It is the grand final edition of Crunch Time at the MCG as we build up towards Richmond and the Giants. So much activity in the precincts. The longest kick is happening at the Yarra. The celebs are having their turn after Clayton Oliver claimed it for the pros with 66.8. We've had the underage kids, the next generation of draftees, play before us. Team Brown beating Team Del Santo. The grand final sprinters are now assembled for their semi-finals, and down below the participants for the big 
Wan are starting to gather. Jared Whaley with you. Kane Corns is with me. He lived this day twice in 2004. He became a Premiership player. Kane, happy Grand Final day to you. Yeah, happy Grand Final day to you, Jared, and everyone to list, uh, that's listening. I, I just think it's the best place to be in the world. I'm biased on Grand Final day is in this magnificent city. You walk in, the buzz is there. You see so many familiar faces as you're entering the ground and some that you haven't seen for a long time. I was just lucky enough to, to run into Gubby Allen outside and he was standing alongside Bernie Quinlan and I got to meet Bernie Quinlan for the first time. So it's just a it's a real thr thrill for me to be here on this day and it uh, brings back so many great memories. Cast your mind back to 2004. Yeah, well, it was... I was 21 years of age. It was my fourth year of football. I think it was game number 69. So we're not talking a Marlon Pickett style in game number one, Jared. but I was relatively inexperienced. I think um, for Port Adelaide, we were, we were pretty dominant in the early 2000s, but weren't good enough to get to the last day. So just to be here was a relief. Um, I, I thought the way that Mark Williams set the day up, it was a really calming influence. He was quite jovial about it and we really had an emphasis to enjoy the day and that's what I think has been the message out of the Giants camp uh, this week is to, to really lap it up and enjoy it. Who knows if you'll ever get back here. Um, and no, it was just just magnificent. The warm-up's different. You, you warm up earlier than, than usual and uh, so it's just a few anomalies that happen on grand final day that you're not used to but um, at the end of the day, you just want to get that first touch and once you get the first touch, your nerves are settled and then you feel like you're into the game. Do you remember your first touch? Uh, yeah, I do. It was a, a diving chest mark out on the outer side Toyota logo. I, I had Simon Black that on the day he'd just come off the Norm Smith medal the year before in 2003 and, and 39 possessions. So I was a bit nervous about stopping him getting the ball, but I was lucky enough. Chad actually kicked me my first touch and marked it on the... The outer logo and uh, was was into it and then and then we we're away. Josh Carr kicked the first goal and it was a pretty good game of footy actually. What what, what does it mean to you to have done? It? <sighs> I think it means more in uh, in retrospect if that if that sounds right. I, I think I, I sent um, a few of the the Giants guys. I've got a, a no a little bit of Phil Davis. I just said it's, it's two hours that will change your life. Like so, it's just it. it it literally does change your life. So every Thursday before the grand final, the Port Adelaide players from 2004 catch up and there there is just that unique bond where you might not see each other for a few years, but you walk into the same room and there's a there's a, a group text message situation that we've got happening. You, you're just a premiership player and it means the world. And I, I, I think it's, it's fortunate. I feel fortunate to be in that position and to have experienced days like this it was just magnificent. Paddy Cummins has just kicked the perfect torque, Did nearly he? 60 metres. You're kidding. There's nothing that he can't do. Oh, that is unbelievable. His first one, was it was the tightest barrel of the day from pro or celeb. Because I saw uh, Josh Kennedy, he fluffed it from the Eagles. I, thought, I saw Taylor Walker, he sort of half got onto one, but it only measured about 49 metres. So to send it 60 metres, he's got the footy players covered. Yeah, he's crazy. He's a remarkable isn't he? talent, isn't he? I just hope he, I hope he holds it together, Gerard. I know the fast bowlers, you'd know better than me, but their bodies tend to break down. But what he's doing at the moment is, um, is Steve Smith esque, isn't yeah. it, with the ball? So Scotty McLaughlin and Paddy Cummings have been the two. Have stars. they really? That's yeah. embarrassing. Scotty went fifty-three. Uh, that's on the celeb side yeah. of things. Yeah, yeah. Mick Revolt went forty. Did he? <laughs> we're lucky to get into the river. I'd lucky. To, I'd be lucky to go thirty. I think you'd kick it further than me, Jared. <laughs> um, how have you spent the week thinking about the game? Um, I'm so torn on it. Look, everything about it says to me that Richmond will be too good, and particularly in the second half, uh, they're so 
I think they're so well rested and and their ability to be able to and we'll, we'll dive into the tactics a little bit later on when when Gary gets here in the matchups but I think their ability um, to sustain the pressure that's required for four quarters will be their advantage. I, I look at the Giants' last quarters in the last two finals, uh, and the inside differential is, is stark, isn't it? They've just just hang on. They, they look tired to me. They look out on their feet. Can they sustain one more amazing effort with that ferocity intensity around the ball? I'm not sure they can. I feel like they'll be right in it up until halftime and then a little bit like what Richmond did to Geelong on Friday night, we might just see them run away with it with those fresh legs. I was surprised to do the history of since we've gone to two prelims, so the equal build-up is nine times we've had a team go the long way against a team who've gone the short way. So three games versus four games. And the long way around the mountain has a 6-3 advantage. Well, and then that is the school of thought, isn't it? I mean, and what better preparation for the Giants? I mean, the Bulldogs final, they were brutal and they got it done pretty easily. But the last two weeks, I mean, that that's finals footy and that sets you up for a day like today. So uh, I think that the fresh legs of Green, him having the week off won't be a bad thing for him. I'm concerned about Phil Davis and we'll keep a close eye on him in the warm-up. I know Mitch Cleary will be in the boundary. He'll be all over that situation, but he's he's hardly trained. So I think he'll play, but I, I don't know what to get from him. I mean, imagine if what happens last week happens again today. Be nervous about that. And then there's the unknown about Whitfield. But look, they, they can they can match it with them. There, there's enough talent in this Giants team to, to get on a bit of a roll as they did last week. But yeah, I'd be more putting my house on Richmond than Giants if I had to go one way or the other. Marlon Pickett. So not since 1952 has this happened. It's only the sixth time in league history. It's, it's unthinkable it in is. the modern era that this would happen and it is, it is going to unfold <laughs> before our eyes. Yeah, it, it is. It is. All of that. Um, I've spoken to a couple of people that have watched him closely in the Waffle and every time, every person I've spoken to has said this this guy can seriously play the game. So, look, I, I think it, I think it's a it's a bold move. Um, it's I think it's in line with what uh, Damien Harbick and the way that he's been coaching. I, I actually like it. I think he can come in and play the Jack Graham role as good Jack Graham can play it. I mean, they're not asking big things from him. He, if he probably walks away with, if he can walk away with 10, 10 possessions, four tackles and, you know, a goal would be a bonus and, and some fierce pressure and some big one-on-one contests. He's probably done his job. Um, I mean, Rioli touched the ball nine times last week. So they're, they're not asking a lot for these role players. They're so even and, you know, it appears he's capable of doing the job. How do you how do you play your role in a system that you've never actually been in it's before? A good question. Yeah, and 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 so fresh and so new to the system. So it's not as if he's been on the list. I mean, they, they did change their game style uh, at the start of, or the end of 2016 after that disastrous year. There's a complete defined game style from Richmond, but it's not as if he's been there biding his time for two years under this system and had a couple of pre-seasons learning it and, and learning where he's got to stand. It's been, what, eight weeks or something like that. Might, might be ten weeks. So, and a lot of that he hasn't been out there for. So, look, he'll be relying on some direction from his teammates. They've got good leaders ahead of the ball on where to stand, but he would have gone through all of that this week. They would have made a special emphasis with his line coach just to drill down exactly where he needs to be at what time. But in the end, you say to him, look, Structures are great, you know your role, but the ball's there. You just got to put your head over it and win it, and that's what wins grand finals. The Giants is this is what they were created for. So, Mark Williams said last night that it's so many of these players were born for this moment, and they they have that they, they have now the perfect blend. Yep. But they do have a heavy star-studded end, who 
who are made for a stage like this. It's going to be great to see them on us. They've got that strut and that swagger about them. And I think that's... So I've got a bit of an insight because Chad joined the Giants in their first years where he, was, he played, played 16 games that year and, and coached for a couple of years. Uh, the, the big focus right from day one on setting up this footy club, and it's been spoken about a little bit this week by Leon Cameron, was that they wanted to be taught how to play finals footy right from the moment they walked in. So they, they were getting belted, and we know the story, but they just kept working on contested footy and, and stoppages and tackling and pressure and putting your head over it. And, and that's what um, the feedback from... So Leon actually sent Chad and Dean Brogan and Luke Power a message this week and said, boys, really appreciate the work you did. You got our guys playing the way that we wanted them to play right from day one, and you set the example there. So, look, I don't think the stage will overawe them. Um, they've got to get their hands, the ball into the hands of their gun prime movers. So I want to see Lockie Whitfield just to get the footy in his hands, you know, Toby Green, all, all, of, the, all of the names there. But it's then can the role players, can the bottom six players um, play to their probably 80% to 100% maximum, which is what they need today. You feel like Richmond's bottom six are better than the Giants, whereas the Giants' top end is probably better than Richmond. So it's, it's fascinating. I, I think it's a great duel. Can't wait for it. Um, I think it's going to be hot. I hope the Giants bring that physicality that they have in the last three finals. And can Richmond step up to it like, you know, they have in the past? The first Giants team that took the field for an AFL game included Jeremy Cameron, Phil Davis, yep. Toby Green, Adam Kennedy and Adam Tomlinson. Yeah, it's great. And, and they're all there. two who missed, Stephen Canelio and Callan Ward, were, were there as well. So five play from the first game to, to the pinnacle moment. What a story. Uh, and that they would understand that and uh, realise the... The pressure with that, I mean, so many players have left. I mean, there's 30-odd former Giants on AFL lists. It is, it's crazy the way that this list has evolved and developed. They've got the stars at the top who they've invested heavily in. We know that. But then they've picked up some role players as well. I mean, how good have the players that they have recruited from other clubs been? I mean, as good as any when you look through the list of Ward and, you know, Davis and all of these, they've just done a magnificent job, the recruiting staff, of targeting players from other clubs that have come in and played the role that they needed to do. Yes, a couple of them won't be there today, but a lot of them will be to the, you know, even to Shane Mumford's story. I mean, what a remarkable story that is. He was retired this time last year. He's come back and playing in a grand final and he's you know, it looks like he's been shot for the last six weeks and he's going to try and lead the ruck a, oh it's 78 hit outs of 15 last week and they still won the clearances so he's playing his role there's just so many good stories all over the park from both sides it's put us into matt DeBoer's mindset so you've lived this yeah it, he's got a huge responsibility which he's carried out superbly during the final series so yeah, far yeah not dissimilar to, to what i did live in 2004 so i walked into the midfield coach phil, uh, phil walsh's office on the monday of grand final week we we're playing brisbane so voss black Lappin, Ackermanis. I said, Walshy, as I did every Monday, uh, who have I got this week? Is it Vossi? And he said, no, nah, not Vossi. I said, why, Lappin? No, nah, it's not Lappin. I said, Ackermanis, just hoping it wasn't going to be black because he was <laughs> in such good form. He said, mate, you're going straight to Simon Black. So from the Monday, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I knew that I had Simon Black on grand final day. I feel like it's the same for DeBoer. I mean, there's been a bit of talk and... Uh, some of the media and some of the experts making a case for Prestia. I personally don't see it that way. I just think if Prestia gets 30 today, the Giants can still win. But if Dustin Martin gets 30, I don't think the Giants can win. I just think he's that damaging. Um, you know, and 
if you look at Dustin Martin, when they have been beaten this year, his numbers have dropped right off. So he goes straight to Dustin Martin. Yes, there'll be some complications with that because Martin's strength is he can go forward. And uh, I was here at a game where Collingwood um, uh, targeted Dustin Martin. It was Levi Greenwood and... Uh, Greenwood had him in the midfield and Dusty was really frustrated. He took him forward and was able to kick three goals. So that they'll be aware of that. They'll be aware of the tactics. But what Dubois has been so good at, he plays a selfless role, is he's happy to roll over to the next most dangerous. Even when his opponent has a spill on the bench, Dubois stays on and he just picks up the, the, the next most dangerous. So he's got a real calm, level head, which is what's needed in situations like this. I'd expect him to play sort of three quarters on Dustin Martin today and if he can do what he did to him in round three and that was keep him to 15 possessions and a highly frustrated Dustin Martin who got reported mm. goes a long way to um, the Giants winning today. So how significant is DeBoer for them? Is This is the lost art. It's it's one it that is. you treasure and oh. so few seem to value. It's, I've, I've said a couple of times this year uh, I, I just get so frustrated with it because you look at the American sport model, and they have experts in their field. I mean, the NBA teams, they have expert shooters. They have expert defenders. They've got expert rebounders and shot blockers. In the NFL, they're all experts. So every position in the NFL is expert positions, yet we have 45 positions on an AFL list. And some positions are carried by players who don't play for three years. They're project players. The time's to win now. And if you don't have a run-with player on your list of 45 players, I think you're negligent. You look at what DeBoer has done. Cost you nothing. He's not on much of a wage. You'd be lucky to be earning the AFL average wage. And the influence that he's had, there is no way the Giants are in this grand final today if not for Matt DeBoer. I mean, if Penderbury touches the ball 10 more times last week and has 18 possessions, sorry, has 28 possessions as opposed to 18, Collingwood win. I mean, 10 Scott Penderbury possessions is worth more than three points. So there's no way they're playing today if it's not for Matt DeBoer. And I just wonder if there's some other clubs taking notice. Well, oh, hang on. Maybe it is important again. There might be a million-dollar wage differential between there, them if DeBoer takes be. Martin there, today. There probably would be. They probably would. And then you put the endorsements on the end of it as well. So and oh, a whole lot might swing on it. I know. It's brilliant. I love it. Kane Corns in place on crunch time. Terry Wallace joins us. Terry went to this day five times as a player, three times won premierships. He did it in his first year. Not in his first game, but in his first year. Terry, welcome to crunch time. Hello, Jared. How you going, Kane? Hello, Plough. Said the head of the association of the Taggers Association, yes. but I totally agree yeah. with that. Absolutely, <laughs> totally agree with that. I had Libera as my tagger back yeah, in the, uh, yeah. the day. And look, it's a fantastic day, isn't it? And everyone that's been fortunate enough to be involved in the day just understands how big it is. And uh, for me, it was my first, very, very first year. And, uh, uh, gee, the excitement, the tingles around you know, your involvement. I was just driving in, listening to you, Kane, speaking about your first touch. I can remember yeah. mine was just <laughs> out in front of where we are, um, centre wing, uh, getting your first touch in a game and just thinking... Yeah. At least that's over and done with now. I can just sort of sit back and worry about the uh, the rest of the game. But it's just, just a brilliant day. And uh, we used to uh, run down onto the ground back in the old days, coming out of the Melbourne and Richmond rooms. Now they walk. It's the walk up the ramp. Uh, that feeling, you, you just can't feel your feet. Mm. Uh, it just, it, it's a, it's a, un, it's just unsurreal actual feeling or a surreal feeling that you actually go through at, at that time. So uh, amazing day for anyone that's had the opportunity. 
Do you remember arriving at the ground for your first grand final? Oh, yeah. I, I remember yeah, virtually everything that happened. I remember leaving home and having you know, sort of the neighbours out, out the front and you know, those sort of people around and you know, people with balloons and streamers. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very, very, very special moment in each of the players' lives, let alone those during having their first game. And there's only uh, very few of those. But uh, what a story the Malian uh, picket story has become in this in this week it's just another brilliant well it, it is now the story yeah. we're, we're all just just hoping for him and uh, and wondering what we're going to get the 48 hours leading into the game has has fixated on him in a no way doubt. that I really can't recall probably not since Dunkley was trying to get through a supreme court hearing to get to the MCG has one single player uh, dominated the last part correct because i mean we get to this day and uh, there are some in our industry that are so good at capturing them, each person's moments. Everyone has a story. Every single yep. person that gets to this day has their own story. But this this one is just amazing, really. And uh, the whole background of it, I, I followed him a little bit because I coached Todd Curley, uh, who was his coach over in WA. So yeah, through Todd, you know, sort of kept an interest in how it sort of played out when it looked like he was a chance of getting picked up mid-year. Yeah, just sort of following how that uh, went through, uh, through Todd. Uh, yeah, it's an amazing story. I, I didn't think they'd bite it off personally. Uh, you know, they took two players out of the VFL. A feel for those two guys. Um, you know, you wonder now if they played and got best on the ground themselves. Could have they been the ones uh, that they didn't get the opportunity to show that they could be best on the ground? Can you give us an insight into Leon Cameron, player? Did you? Because I, I played with Damien Harbuck and I thought. No way is this guy going to be a senior coach. So it shocked me. Stewie Jew was the same, but that I didn't think they would. Did you think Leon Cameron had senior coaching abilities? Uh, twofold. One side, absolutely 100% yes. The other side, I wasn't quite as sure. So the side that was 100% yes it was his ability to read the game, his knowledge of the game mm. has always been absolutely elite. Yep. So not a question there. I didn't know whether he might be quite not ruthless enough yep. and that he's a really just a good fella and I think the way he, going back if it had been in the 2000s that he was coming through as a coach I don't know whether that ruthless edge might have been there but what's happened as the game has changed it's actually changed to his advantage where you know that ability to connect with your, your players and relationships has become bigger the, the ruthlessness of the game doesn't need to quite be there although Clarko does both, doesn't he? I mean, there's no doubt about that. But, uh, yeah, so certainly his, his knowledge of the game, uh, absolutely brilliant. And the other one from the GWS side of things, um, I coach Wayne Campbell as well, and I've really been pleased with his progress. Uh, I saw him uh, firsthand uh, with his work that he did with the umpires. I've through my son when he was heading up the uh, the umpires department. I worked with him at Richmond uh, after he came come back from the, uh, the Bulldogs. Uh, for t only for the 12 months. Um, so uh, he's marked his own journey in it. And for my other side, I think I'm sort of a bit betwixt between. I've still got a few of the Richmond boys, and that's why I'm still on the Richmond camp. Because when you invest in those young kids and when you look them in the eyes and tell them, and so for me uh, now it's Cochin, Edwards, Rancy's obviously not there anymore, and Jack, when you 
when they arrive at your, the club and you say, this is a really big club and, you know, we're hoping we can give you the journey that you want out of the game, yep. to see them actually realise that. And uh, particularly for those guys who did it really hard early because, I mean, the club, you know, was really struggling that, those early times. So uh, to see them realise their dream, I mean... I, that's I still leaned towards that. The other guys are big boys now. They, you know, they can look after themselves. But uh, seeing those young men live their dreams is brilliant. One premiership is not an era, but two is. Is I think that's fair. those are the terms for Richmond today. Is to validate their their three years. Yeah, a second flag will will. It escalates. It escalates their place in the history of the game. I think absolutely no doubt. Uh, and I'll add another one to that just to. Uh, to really sort of ride at home in a second. But I think that's the case. I, I think it's fair that you could put the argument up regardless that a premiership, a preliminary final, and then a grand final makes them the best side over the, over the three years. I think that that's pretty hard to argue with um, seeing any of the other sides that could stump up quite to that degree. But two premierships puts it you know, beyond any question whatsoever. The other one is the... They haven't lost for three months. I mean, this is the one that gets, to me, I think has got lost on a few people. And people sort of say, yeah, but they had all their home games at the MCG. Well, that's where they had to win it eventually. So, uh, haven't lost for 12 games. Well, this will be the 12th if they win today. We've only had two sides in the last 29 years that have won more than eight and gone on and won the flag. And when you look at those two sides, they were 1995 Carlton, and the brilliance of that team, who won 16 in a row to, uh, to win the Premiership, and the first of the Brisbane wins, and how good that side was. So, Richmond winning today is the third side only in 29 years to actually be able to achieve that. So, if they win, I think we sit back eventually and go, well, hang on, they've been comfortably the best side for three years, and they've been comfortably the best side in the back half of this year, it just took us a little bit of time to recognise it, and uh, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm leaning you know, very much towards the Tigers, but as I said, I was listening to you guys on the way in. GWS have got enough natural ability mm. to be able to get it done, uh, and they've fought the fight so brilliantly of, of recent times, but uh, I just think history's there for the Tigers. You feel that way, Kane? I think so, yeah. I, I do. I, I just feel like their path has been seamless so from the seven games at the MCG leading in to the week off to getting their uh, stable side, apart from Jack Graham, who, with all due respect to Jack, he's not a massive loss in terms of... I, I know the story, and for him, we all feel uh, the, the sorrow that he would be feeling now. But in terms of the way that they play, he's not, he's not a big hole in their side. So I just think they're more settled. I think they've played their game style for longer. I think they're fresher, and I think they can sustain the um, ferocity around the ball and the pressure when they don't have the ball for longer today. Mm. Do you think... Uh, so we spoke about Tom Rich a lot after the preliminary final. So this is what he was brought in for. This is what he recognised and the choices that he was making. He could recognise what Richmond was, what the possibilities were. His partnership with Jack Revolt, the stage of the MCG, and, and in that is is the vision of grand final day, is um, for a purpose-executed recruit. I think it was Jake Nile who made the case, and it's spot on, is this is, if he wins today and he plays a major role. He is the most significant player in the free agency era. 
Yeah, it's hard to. I'd pro, I don't know. I'd probably still lean to Buddy. I I, I probably would because I know Buddy didn't um, win a grand final, but he was uh, his side was leading with nine minutes to go in that grand final. I think that's all you can ask for a, for a player to put yourself in that position and for what he's done for Sydney, but I completely understand that the, the Lynch significance. Could Tom Boyd be in the argument with only uh, such a little small... He wasn't a free agent, though, agent. was he? But, yeah. Um, yeah, but, but in terms of recruiting, and yeah. I think Kingy summed it up beautifully. I think there's uh, some youngsters that are at the Gold Coast right now with a lot of talent thinking, well, why would I stay here when I can be out here yeah. for a powerhouse club? So it's an issue for the AFL, but for Richmond... Um, they've targeted him. They found a way to fit him into a bulging salary cap. Yes, there might be some carnage at the end of today. You know, Brandon Ellis is probably going to go. There might be some others looking for some opportunity. But you win two flags and you win another one with Tom Lynch, then, it, then it's justified. Oh, I think it might be Jack Rewalt's day today. Though. I think he's, he's due. I, I think I'd like to see him play a little bit more up outside 50 just to get him involved early, get him marking the ball and using him on the lead and then keeping the drop-off defenders like Haynes and Davis, who have been so strong in the air, accountable and then drifting back inside 50. So, you know, Tom Lynch might kick his two or three today, but I think, you know, it's set up for Jack to have a big day as well. Kane Corns and Terry Wallace on crunch time. The stage has been built over on the southern side of the ground. So Paul Kelly is the headline act in terms of the entertainment. As some seats have filled with the eager who are counting down towards the opening siren. Half past two, so two and a bit hours away at the MCG. The full coverage continues after the break. This is Crunch Time for Honda and for Subway. The award-winning Crunch Time. Say H-E-A to a free exclusive service pack across a wide range of models. Search Honda Offers. New grilled wraps at Subway. Hot off the grill and ready to thrill at participating restaurants. The sun has broken through at the MCG for grand final day. The ground staff is working away in the middle, but there'll be no erasing the white footprints of the underages who, well, the paint went on just a fraction too late. Said she's a bit of a mess in the middle of the ground as the ground staff will be horrified, Terry Wallace. Ah, uh, gee, they won't like that at all. I mean, you're talking about the look of it going worldwide, and it looks messy. It really does look messy at the moment. As much as what they've been out there trying to uh, patch it up, it is a bit like a patchwork quilt. It hasn't come up too well at all. There's just white footprints all over it. Uh, it's it's remarkable. It'll be a disappointment, I'm sure. So the footy season's captivated us, and then we were transfixed every night by what was happening at the Ashes and the emergence of one man who's found his way to the MCG today. And it's our great pleasure to welcome Marnus Lavashane to Crunch Time. Marnus, welcome. Welcome, guys. Thank you very much for having me. What's it like to be here at Grand Final Day? Pretty amazing. Obviously, um, the crowd hasn't come in fully yet, and it's going to be an amazing experience to see 100,000 people in, um, in one place. Obviously, 90% of that cheering for Richmond. Do you feel like life's changed a little bit over the past three months for you? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, just where, where, where I was probably leaving to go and play county cricket, um, to, to probably coming back and, and obviously getting an opportunity to play in, um, in probably one of the best Ashes series that, have, that, have, that, that has been. When you take a little bit of time to think through what those weeks were, um, what sticks with you? What are the moments that stick with you? Um, well, obviously one moment that's probably not a positive one was that one that slipped through our hands at Headingley. Um, you know, watching that innings and, and, and sort of feeling like it's it has to come to an end. Like, you can't win this game. It's not possible. Um, and then being on the field for that. And then obviously 
Um, you know, taking that last wicket um, where Josh Hazelwood got Craig Overton at LBW and um, sort of standing in the huddle um, waiting for the, the review to come through and, and then seeing it come up, three reds, and, you know, the excitement, you know, going through through that sort of moment is, um, is unbelievable. Was it more than you ever imagined? Definitely. I mean, I, you, always, you always think about how these, you know, winning in ashes and... and retaining the urn but uh, you know when you're actually out there it's such a different feeling to when in previous times when I was a viewer watching the game yeah, just in football terms we've had teams a uh, Hawthorne's one that comes to mind straight away that has lost the final and then been able to readjust themselves very very quickly with the shattering aspect of losing a final then be able to get themselves back to the grand final and be able to win it what was that mental battle for you guys you know you mentioned what it was like the disappointment but how do you realign yourself because the english press at that stage are basically sort of saying to uh, particularly your skipper uh well you just lost your opportunity i mean that's gone now so how how was that internally uh, handled um oh look we you know there was a lot of hurt coming off there coming off the field um we actually the next morning had a team walk scheduled and we um which was actually then changed and we actually watched the last 10 overs right ball by ball so I watched the last 10 overs of the match and just sort of talked it through about what things we could have done better what things we can adapt and change uh where we could have bowled what changes to make and i think that actually helped us just settle in and actually take the emotion out of it and actually then go right oh well how can we now make better decisions going forward and i think that really helped us because that's why the emotion was so good yeah, yep. going into that uh, that that last test because to come back from where we were was unbelievable uh, on a personal note we've seen teams go over to england quite regularly and have come off let's yeah, call it Australian summer, gone across there and haven't handled the conditions. So, number one, having two teams across there at the one time, but having guys like yourself having played county cricket, how, how much difference do you think that that made? Because, I mean, you had a fantastic series. Yeah, uh, it, it made the world a difference um, to obviously play 10 first-class games and also play eight one-day games um, prior to playing that game in Hampshire. Um just to get used to the wickets, playing with the Duke ball for for, for three months, um, you know, you can only learn how to play in those conditions better each day and day. And, um, you know, luckily enough, those games are so closely packed together over there. You know, he played four day, a one day break, another game. So um, the benefit of that is when you're batting well, you can get on a really good rhythm over there. And I was able to sort of transfer that over into um, into the test matches when I got the opportunity. Who's at the meeting where you were watching the 10 overs? Who led the conversation? Um, it was very team-orientated. Um, obviously, uh, Justin sort of led some part of the conversation, but then it was really up to us to actually be open and honest and actually say, right, we could have done this better. We could have done this better from the bowlers' perspective, from the fielders. We could have had the right fielders in different positions. So, you know, and I think the best thing is when you do that a day later, it's that emotion gets out of it. Yeah, so yeah. there's no... You know, although it was quite fresh still, but we weren't in that state where you could actually talk to people. You can actually have an open conversation and go, look, I think we could have done that better. We could have done that better. So um, I think that actually got us back on track. And then to play that tour match in Worcester and then get going again yep. was was perfect. There are great cliches in sport, Terry. Be ready. <laughs> 
Marnus is going to be the poster boy for this to be ready. Absolutely. The distinguishment is the first test cricket sub halfway through a test match has to replace Steve Smith and saves the test at Lords. So this is like three weeks earlier. It can't happen. You can't be in that scenario. The laws of the game change to allow it. What's... What was your state of readiness to step into a test match midway through in what was maybe the most hostile test match I've ever watched? Um, I mean, it helps that we are a very like, quality team and we had quality guys that were sitting on the bench. You know, so that morning I was facing James Pattinson, Mitchell Stark and Michael Nessa, you know, in the nets. They're running full pace. It's overcast conditions in on day five, so it's... You know, so you, you're you're batting against quality bowlers the whole time, and then to come into that situation with obviously such short notice was actually probably better because it actually allowed my mind to not simmer too much on the situation, what happened. It was like just get out there and get going, and and sort of just trust what you've been doing in training. So I think that actually really helped, and and, and like I said, it comes down to how hard we actually train and how competitive those nets actually are. And when Archer hit you, you know well, you're alive I mean, I, I said this before, but I, um, I literally said to myself, like, even before, I was like, if I get hit, I, you just have to get up. Like, you can't be the first concussion sub to get concussed out of the game. <laughs> like, like yeah, that can't happen. So I was like, doesn't matter how much it hurts, if you draw, whatever happens, just get hit, get straight back up and, you know, act cool. Or, you know, even if I was hurt, I don't even know if I would have would have taken a few seconds to sink in. But, um, you know, I was just trying to get up as quick as possible just to sort of yeah, eliminate all those, you know, I'm ready, I'm not going off the field, I'm not wasting this opportunity. When do you feel apart? When, do you do you now feel apart? When, when does that time come for... And it's in any team sport in particular where you sort of sit there and go, OK... Now I feel like I'm, I'm you know, a part of this team. I think, you, you know, as a player, as a new player coming into the squad, you just want to earn the respect of the, uh, of the team. So, um, you know, obviously you, you don't ever want to feel comfortable because, you know, it's test <laughs> cricket. Yeah, it's yeah. test cricket. It, it's not you're, you're going to be on the back foot. You're going to have to work hard. Um, so, yeah, I, look, I wouldn't say that I, I feel apart. My job is to score runs, and I was able to do it that series. But, um, you know, like I said, obviously, going forward, I, I, I want to continue playing for Australia. So, you know, the only way you can do that is by continually putting performances on the board and, and learning the game. Um, and, you know, we've got some really good guys in our team to learn off. So I'll flip it around a little bit there. So you got a taste of it the summer previously. Um, when... Have you always had the confidence that you know, I can do this and my best is good enough to do it, or is that growing as you sort of as you're you know, going along? Um, well, I mean, since I was a little kid, I, 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 all I wanted to do was play play test cricket. So um, you know, the, re, the the change from the reality and from the dream is quite different. You know, the dream's quite something that you don't actually you don't actually pinpoint when you think about it as a kid. All the steps you're going to need to take to get there. Um, yeah, so for me personally, it was just about, like, like yeah, the confidence grows when you're scoring runs. That's just how it is. You know, you, you, actually, you actually learn and, and, and you keep developing. And obviously at that stage, I was quite confident in my game because I, I was scoring runs sure. in county yep. cricket. But, I mean, 
that doesn't mean that you're just going to transfer over and be able to do that in test cricket. So definitely the more confidence I had in England definitely helped. But, um, yeah, look, I always believed that I, I could do it. And you've, you've done it. So how much that the, the century is? The only thing you really didn't bring back from England was the test century. And um, how does that how does that burn with you at the moment? Oh, look, you know, everyone wants to score their, their first test century. And it would have been even better if you could do it in England in, in, in an Ashes series. But... You know, it wasn't to be, and, um, you know, my job is to make sure when I get another start, um, you know, if that is in the, uh, uh, this summer, you know, get going, that, that I make it a big one because um, I really, you know, there's a lot of hard work that goes into batting in England and, and to not have cashed in is um, obviously a bit disappointing, but like I said, you just got to make the most of it for your next opportunity. That's all behind us now. What are your other sporting passions? Have you followed Aussie rules during your life at all? No, not much Aussie rules. Um, I follow a little bit of rugby league and rugby union. Who's going to win the league over the next couple of weeks? Well, the Melbourne Storm, Sydney Roosters. That's, the, that's a the, game, isn't it? That's, that's the that's game. game. I mean, I, I think they're two very quality sides. And they're playing this weekend, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Tonight. yeah so tonight. tonight. Perfect, yeah. Um, so that, that'll be a big decider. I reckon the winner of that is probably going to be the favourite for the for this for the comp. Manus, it's great to see you. We'll see you November 21 at the Gabba. Uh, Thank we'll you very much, Broadcasting guys. the first ball of the first test of the summer. Enjoy your grand final day. Thank you very much. Manus Labashane with us on Crunch Time. So Cricket Australia celebrate the achievements of the men's team. Have uh, the ticket offer, which runs until 7pm on Wednesday, is if you buy one ticket... Bring a friend on cricket. So jump onto cricket.com.au slash tickets. If you've got your itinerary sorted, you're going to go to a day of the test match, buy the tickets before Wednesday, 7pm. And there's a great offer to be had for all the cricket family. Manus Labashane joins us at the MCG. Um, the Australian men and women are going to be hailed in the motorcade on a cricketing front, bringing the Ashes home on both fronts from across the world. So down below us, Phil Davis is going through a warm-up in the Giants' rooms. A couple of them have been out kicking the footies on the arena, but Phil Davis is just starting to warm up as he looks to take his place in this grand final despite the various ailments which have uh, befallen him at, in the preliminary final. And what sort of shape is he in as he comes to this game? The Crunch next. Mitch Cleary is going to join us with a, a broader eye towards all else that's happening in footy. The trades market has heated up. There are players who have declared their intentions. There are players who are keeping their powder dry. It really goes from Monday. The trade period likely to be unprecedented in scale in what's going to unfold. That is next on Crunch Time for Honda and for Subway. Crunch time at the MCG. It's a Sunday MCG as the ground staff continues to work feverishly to try to remove the white footprints in the middle of the ground. The evidence of what took place from the kids earlier on. Leon Cameron, the Giants coach, just a few moments ago on Channel 7 regarding Phil Davis. Yeah, well, he's done everything right. We understand that he was um, a bit banged up last week. Uh, he ticked off Thursday. He ticked off Friday. He's got one more box to tick this morning. Uh, sorry, in the next half an hour. Um, if he ticks off that, he'll play. And Phil's, um, you know, the captain of our footy club for a reason because he makes really good decisions. If he picks himself and we pick him, he'll be ready to play and do a job. Um, if he's right, if he's not, he's not. And then we've got replacements to come in. And that 11th hour fitness Ooh. test is happening in the rooms at the moment, <laughs> Terry. That That's as fraught as it gets. Uh, that's nerve-wracking, isn't it? I mean, in, in general, you sit there and go, gee, if he can't, if he hasn't been able to tick off all the boxes by now, is he actually right to play? So, yeah, look, it's fascinating. Uh, 
I, I was really surprised. I, I thought Lockie Keefe was excellent last week. Excellent. So when the sides come out and Lockie Keefe wasn't in, I couldn't believe he wouldn't be playing in this game. So uh, I still reckon that, I still think it's a big, big risk yeah. and a big doubt. I've got a spy downstairs who's been watching all this. It doesn't look great. No. So the fate of the Giants captain has been decided right now. Uh, an hour and 40 minutes out from the opening siren. It's an extraordinary scenario. I can't remember one quite like it. So Nigel Lappin was, he, he went as Chris Scott was stripped and ready to play, but he wasn't the captain of the Lions. No, I mean, this is as big as what uh, I could just about ever recall. And really, I mean, there's been a couple over a period of time where, you know, it, by now it's just a look in the eyes. Now you're right to go. But this is a, almost a full-blown fitness test going yeah. on. So that's very, very different. And particularly, as you say, when, when it's your skipper and you've got your other skipper out, yep. well, you've got your other skipper and your vice-captain already out of the team. Mitch Cleary's here for the crunch. Mitch, welcome. Thanks, guys. It's a fascinating vision that you've just spoken about. My mail earlier today that the call was going to be made at midday, Davis spoke on Channel 7 at 11am, said he was in. So it's fantastic drama this close to the bounce. It's amazing drama to be unfolding right now. And Gary Ablett has put an update out. No decision. No decision just yet. So he's still weighing it up. This is his quote on Instagram this morning. At this stage, I'm honestly unsure as to which direction I'll be heading, but I'm certainly making it a priority to make a decision sooner rather than later. So trade period officially kicks off in eight days' time from now. I think we need a decision before that from Gary Ablett, and we could have one within the next week. What else swings on that, do you think, from a Geelong perspective? There's a whole lot of players tied into what's happening next. There is. There's quite a few guys uh, still in limbo at the moment, haven't been told which way or other. So Scott Selwood is one of those. He's a free agent right now. I think he's more unlikely than likely at the moment. The other is uh, they've got plenty of players. Zach Smith, Harry Taylor still hasn't made up a, a call. They've only listed two players so far, y y the Cats, and I think Tim Kelly will make it formal on Monday or Tuesday that he's wanting a trade back to the Eagles. So uh, quite a bit to hinge out of the yeah, Cats. Well, there are a, a couple of them, isn't it? Harry Taylor really sort of stands out as one of those, and uh, and Gary just about which way. And, and it will show us a little bit about the direction of Geelong, I think, as yeah. well, where you know, how they're sort of aligning themselves uh, or realigning themselves for you know, ongoing the next couple of years as well. Do you think Tom Papley will tip his hand early in the week? I, I think so. I reckon he's going to find his way to Victoria next season. He's got four years to run on that contract at the Swans, but I think his footy is in Victoria next year. I think the Blues more likely yeah. than the Roos at this stage. If I was a betting man, I'd be on the Carlton uh, side of things as well. Uh, I'm not a betting man, but yeah, uh, yeah if I was, uh, that's certainly the way that I'm hearing things that it's been more likely looking Carlton. There's a bit to play out with that. So Joe Danaher, we still think, will head to the Swans, despite his father and reports around his father saying at a function during the week that he's going to stay at Essendon. And then throw into the mix Orazio Fantasia. So if Joe Danaher does leave to Sydney, it's going to be a hard sell to the Bombers members for two contracted forwards. They're two most explosive forwards, Danaher and Fantasia, to walk out while under contract. I'm still not closing the book on the Fantasia situation just yet. I think there's still a bit to play out. Well, when you have a look at their percentage, went backwards this year, but it went backwards off, off the fact their uh, defence was about the same. Points scored. It was their forward line. Danaher not playing at times. Fantasia in and out with injury. It was their forward line that went backwards by about 200 points. So it's difficult if those two blokes are not going to be there, what replaces them? It's going to ramp up Monday. So yeah, trade, trade period radio. officially starts on Friday with the free agency and the following Monday with trade period. But 
trade radio starts 7am on Monday and it's all the unofficial start because clubs, all 18 clubs, then turn their attention solely to the trade period and you'll get plenty of meetings and bargaining going on six or seven days out before the official start. Just on the Crows, they've got a lot to work through. So Alex Keith has nominated the Dogs. Hugh Greenwood, we still expect to nominate the Suns. And they've got Brad Crouch, who's being courted by a number of clubs. Josh Jenkins wants to play elsewhere in Victoria next year. And Eddie Betts, still a bit to play out on that one. So the Crows are going to have a big period. Uh, Bruntley Hill and Paddy Ryder will both make their way to the Saints. And the big one in the last couple of weeks, player was Josh Bruce. He's heading to the Dogs well, uh, as a contracted player. I, I suppose when you look at St Kilda, St Kilda have to move a bit if they wanted to you know, bring Paddy Ryder in. If you, know, if you want to play Marshall more forward, you've got King there. They can't, you know, memory's still there. They can't all fit into the lineup. So you suggest that they've sort of said, well, you know, we've got to move on somebody. We've got to release a bit of cap room as well. The Phil Davis fitness test has just finished. He's seriously blowing at the end of it. So he's had a proper workout there. He's disappeared into the back portion of the rooms to go and make that decision and, and the medical staff and assistant coaches left to chat so presumably he'll go and sit down one last consultation with the doctor and then talk to Leon as to whether he's going to take his place in this grand final so it's the right calf, I was up in Sydney for three days at the start of this week, he went to the pool, didn't hit the grass all week, it wasn't on field, Phil Davis, so he's been in the pool all week, had ice packs applied to that right calf and a couple of times when I saw him was in runners here at the captain's run yesterday so I don't think he's been able to get a great deal of work in after that prelim. I thought he half looked like he was limping doing their fitness test. So uh, if he plays, one, uh, remarkable. If he plays and has to play a major role, because uh, I think he has to play Tom Lynch yeah. if he plays, and then if he can actually do all that and get through and get through successfully, well... It's a pretty fair effort. So he's on the cover of the footy record. It's that news agents. It's here at the ground if you're coming. The souvenir edition of the grand final record for $15, thanks to Karcher, the official 2019 partner of the AFL record. But is he going to be on the ground when the Giants break through their banner uh, in an hour and a half's time? With Cornelio out as well, Callan Ward watching in the stands, Josh Kelly would then come in as captain. So right. Right. Yep. Uh, that's obviously the call that's going to be made in the next six minutes. All right, Mitch, great to have you as part of it. <laughs> Trade radio will be bigger than ever. Uh, good luck with it. Look forward it's to quite it. quite the campaign. So Phil Davis has just walked out onto the turf here at the G. So I think he's got a little bit more to do in the open air. He's come out with one of the fitness staff and an assistant coach as well. So the trials of Phil Davis are going right down to the wire as he jogs his way onto the MCG. The 40 Wings Serious About Sleep Tip. The 40 Winks clearance sale is now on. Get up to 60% at the 40 Winks clearance sale. Who are you tipping, Terry Wallace? Uh, I'm tipping Richmond. I think there'll be a little bit of a margin between the two of them by the end of it. I don't underestimate uh, the Giants and their class, uh, both through the middle of the ground and up forward. But I just think uh, the further the game goes, the more run in the leagues for the Tigers, and they'll be able to get a result. Ongoing coverage of the Phil Davis fitness test now before our very eyes on the MCG as Marlon Pickett is presented with his first AFL jumper. He's going to wear it in a grand final. More from the MCG. This has been Crunch Time for Honda and for Subway. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.